We want to hear from you. Help us determine which books to read on the Sleepy Bookshelf by voting on our website, sleepybookshelf.com. Good evening and welcome to the Sleepy Bookshelf, where we put down our worries from the day and pick up a good book. I'm Elizabeth, your host, and it's lovely to be here with you. Tonight we'll be returning to Flower Fables, but before that, I'll give you some time to settle down for the night. Give yourself a nice, big stretch where you are, allowing all the tension to release from your muscles. You have nothing left to do today but get a good night's rest. That's such a nice thought, isn't it? Now let's take some deep breaths. Inhale deeply and mentally collect all the thoughts still occupying your mind. And now exhale, letting them all go. Once more now. Inhale. And exhale. Lovely. Last time, two robins were preparing for the arrival of their children when one day a mysterious little egg appeared in their nest. They cared for it like their own, and when it hatched, a tiny girl came out of it. They named her. Bud, and she was good and kind. One day, a group of sad elves came to Bud and told her they had been exiled from fairyland and wanted to go home. Convinced she could make things right with the queen, she journeyed to the fairy kingdom to speak with her. But the queen refused to have them back until they could prove they had repented by bringing a perfect fairy crown, robe, and wand. The lazy, exiled fairies did nothing to earn these things, but Bud worked hard on their behalf. When they tried to return, their crowns, robes, and wands were powerless and the queen sent them away again. This time the elves tried some small acts of kindness, and the joy gradually returned to their hearts. They toiled long and hard under Bud's guidance, and eventually became pure enough to return home. We then heard a poem about a garden of flowers who refused to allow a lonely worm refuge save one kind clover blossom. The worm turned out to be a caterpillar who transformed into a beautiful butterfly and who bestowed all its love onto the gentle clover blossom forevermore. Tonight, however, we hear about Annie, and her mission to become the sweetest little girl she can be with a little magic guidance. So just lie back and relax as I turn to the next pages of Flower Fables. Now, said the queen, call hither moonlight and summer wind, for they have seen many pleasant things in their long wanderings, and will gladly tell us them. Most joyfully, we will do our best, dear queen, said the elves as they folded their wings beside her. Now, summer wind, said Moonlight, to 
until your turn comes to sit here and fan me while I tell this tale. Fable 7 Little Annie's Dream or The Fairy Flower In a large and pleasant garden sat little Annie all alone and she seemed very sad for drops that were not dew fell fast upon the flowers beside her who looked wonderingly up and bent still nearer as if they longed to cheer and comfort her. The warm wind lifted up her shining hair and softly kissed her cheek while the sunbeams, looking most kindly in her face, made little rainbows in her tears and lingered lovingly about her. But Annie paid no heed to sun or wind or flower. Still the bright tears fell and she forgot all but her sorrow. Little Annie, tell me why you weep, said a low voice in her ear. And looking up, the child beheld a little figure standing on a vine leaf at her side. A lovely face smiled on her form amid the bright locks of hair, and shining wings were folded on a white and glittering robe that fluttered in the wind. Who are you, lovely little thing? said Annie, smiling through her tears. I am a fairy, little child, and am come to help and comfort you. Now tell me why you weep, and let me be your friend, replied the spirit as she smiled more kindly still on Annie's wondering face. And are you really then a little elf, such as I read of in my fairy books? Do you ride on butterflies, sleep in flower cups, and live among the clouds? Asked Annie. Yes, all these things I do and many stranger still that all your fairy books can never tell. But now, dear Annie, said the fairy, bending nearer, tell me why I found no sunshine on your face. Why are these great drops shining on the flowers? And why do you sit alone? when bird and bee are calling you to play. Oh, you will not love me any more if I should tell you all, said Annie, while the tears began to fall again. I am not happy, for I am not good. How shall I learn to be a patient, gentle child? Good little fairy, will you teach me how? Gladly will I aid you, Annie, and if you truly wish to be a happy child, you must first learn to conquer many passions that you cherish now and make your heart a home for gentle feelings and happy thoughts. The task is hard, but I will give this fairy flower to help and counsel you. Bend hither, that I may place it upon you. No hand can take it hence, till I unsay the spell that holds it there. As thus she spoke, the elf took from her pocket a graceful flower, whose snow-white leaves shone with a strange, soft light. This is a fairy flower, said the elf. 
invisible to every eye save yours. Now listen while I tell its power, Annie. When your heart is filled with loving thoughts, when some kindly deed has been done, some duty well performed, then from the flower there will arise the sweetest, softest fragrance to reward and gladden you. But when an unkind word is on your lips, when a selfish, angry feeling rises in your heart, or an unkind, cruel deed is to be done, then you will hear the soft, low chime of the flower bell. Listen to its warning. Let the word remain unspoken, the deed undone, and in the quiet joy of your own heart and the magic perfume of your fairy flower, you will find a sweet reward. Oh, kind and generous fairy, How can I ever thank you for this lovely gift? said Annie. I will be true and listen to my little bell whenever it may ring. But shall I never see you more? Oh, if you would only stay with me, I should indeed be good. I cannot stay now, little Annie, said the elf. But when another spring comes round, I shall be here again to see how well the fairy gift has done its work. And now, farewell, dear child. Be faithful to yourself, and the magic flower will never fade. Then the gentle fairy folded her little arms around Annie's neck laid a soft kiss on her cheek and, spreading wide her shining wings, flew, singing up among the white clouds floating in the sky. And little Annie sat among her flowers and watched with wondering joy the fairy blossoms shining on her. The pleasant days of spring and summer passed away, and in little Annie's garden, autumn flowers were blooming everywhere, with each day's sun and dew growing still more beautiful and bright. But the fairy flower, that should have been the loveliest of all, hung pale and drooping on little Annie's person. Its fragrance seemed quite gone, and the clear, low music of its warning chime rang often in her ear. When first the fairy placed it there, she had been pleased with the new gift, and for a while obeyed the fairy bell and often tried to win some fragrance from the flower by kind and pleasant words and actions. Then, as the fairy said, she found a sweet reward in the strange, soft perfume of the magic blossom as it shone upon her. But selfish thoughts would come to tempt her, She would yield, and unkind words fell from her lips, and then the flower drooped, pale and scentless. The fairy bell rang mournfully. Annie would forget her better resolutions and again be a selfish, willful little child. At last, she tried no longer, but grew angry with the faithful flower and would have torn it from her person 
but the fairy spell still held it fast, and all her angry words but made it ring a louder, sadder peal. Then she paid no heed to the silvery music sounding in her ear, and each day grew still more unhappy, discontented, and unkind. So when the autumn days came round, she was no better for the gentle fairy's gift, and longed for spring that it might be returned. For now the constant echo of the mournful music made her very sad. One sunny morning when the fresh, cool winds were blowing and not a cloud was in the sky, little Annie walked among her flowers, looking carefully into each hoping thus to find the fairy who alone could take the magic blossom from her. But she lifted up their drooping leaves, peeped into their dewy cups in vain. No little elf lay hidden there, and she turned sadly from them all, saying, I will go out into the fields and woods and seek her there. I will not listen to this tiresome music more, nor wear this withered flower longer. So, out into the fields she went, where the long grass rustled as she passed, and timid birds looked at her from their nests where lovely wildflowers nodded in the wind and opened wide their fragrant leaves to welcome in the murmuring bees, while butterflies like winged flowers danced and glittered in the sun. Little Annie looked, searched, and asked them all if anyone would tell her of the fairy whom she saw. But the birds looked wonderingly at her with their soft, bright eyes, and still sang on. The flowers nodded wisely on their stems, but did not speak, while butterfly and bee buzzed and fluttered away, one far too busy, the other too idle to stay and tell her what she asked. Then she went through broad fields of yellow grain that waved around her like a golden forest. Here crickets chirped, grasshoppers leaped and busy ants worked, but they could not tell her what she longed to know. Now I will go among the hills, said Annie. She may be there. So up and down the green hillsides went her little feet. Long she searched, and vainly she called, but still no fairy came. Then by the riverside she went and asked the happy dragonflies and the cool white lilies if the fairy had been there. But the blue waves rippled on the white sand at her feet and no voice answered her. Then into the forest little Annie went, and as she passed along the dim, cool paths, the wood flowers smiled up in her face. Cheerful squirrels peeped at her as they swung amid the vines, and doves cooed softly as she walked by, but none could answer her. 
so weary with her long and useless search, she sat amid the ferns and feasted on the rosy strawberries that grew beside her, watching meanwhile the crimson evening clouds that glowed around the setting sun. The night wind rustled through the boughs, rocking the flowers to sleep. The wild birds sang their evening hymns, and all within the wood grew calm and still. Paler and paler grew the purple light, lower and lower drooped little Annie's head. The tall ferns bent to shield her from the dew. The whispering pines sang a soft lullaby. And when the autumn moon rose up, her silver light shone on the child, where, pillowed on the green moss, she lay asleep amid the wood flowers in the dim old forest. And all night long beside her stood the fairy she had sought and by elfin spell and charm sent to the sleeping child this dream. Little Annie dreamed she sat in her own garden as she had often sat before with angry feelings in her heart and unkind words upon her lips. The magic flower was ringing its soft warning, but she paid no heed to anything save her own troubled thoughts. Thus she sat, when suddenly a low voice whispered in her ear, Little Annie, look and see the evil things that you are cherishing. I will clothe in fitting shapes the thoughts and feelings that now dwell within your heart, and you shall see how great their power becomes unless you banish them forever. Then Annie saw with fear and wonder that the angry words she uttered changed to dark, unlovely forms, each showing plainly from what fault or passion it had sprung. Some of the shapes had scowling faces and bright, fiery eyes. These were the spirits of anger. Others with sullen, anxious looks seemed gathering up all they could reach, and Annie saw that the more they gained, the less they seemed to have. And these, she knew, were the shapes of selfishness. Spirits of pride were there, who folded their shadowy garments round them and turned scornfully away from all the rest. These, and many others little Annie saw, had come from her own heart and taken form before her eyes. When first she saw them, they were small and weak, but as she looked, they seemed to grow and gather strength, and each gained a strange power over her. She could not drive them from her sight, and they grew ever stronger, darker, and more unlovely to her eyes. They seemed to cast black shadows over all around to dim the sunshine, blight the flowers, and drive away all bright and lovely things. 
while rising slowly round her, Annie saw a high, dark wall that seemed to shut out everything she loved. She dared not move or speak, but with a strange fear at her heart, she sat watching the dim shapes that hovered round her. Higher and higher rose the shadowy wall. Slowly the flowers near her closed. Lingeringly the sunlight faded, but at last they both were gone and left her all alone behind the gloomy wall. Then the spirits gathered round her, whispering strange things in her ear, bidding her obey, for by her own will she had yielded up her heart to be their home, and she was now under their will. Then she could hear no more, but sinking down among the withered flowers, wept sad and bitter tears for her lost liberty and joy. Then through the gloom there shone a faint, soft light, and she saw her fairy flower upon whose snow-white leaves her tears lay shining. Clearer and brighter grew the radiant light, till the evil spirits turned away to the dark shadow of the wall and left the child alone. The light and perfume of the flower seemed to bring new strength to Annie, and she rose up saying as she bent to kiss the blossom, Dear flower, help and guide me now, and I will listen to your voice and cheerfully obey my faithful fairy bell. Then in her dream she felt how hard the spirits tried to tempt and trouble her, and how but for her flower they would have led her back and made all dark and dreary as before. Long and hard she struggled, and tears often fell, but after each new trial, brighter shone her magic flower, and sweeter grew its breath, while the spirits lost still more their power to tempt her. Meanwhile, green flowering vines crept up the high dark wall and hid its roughness from her sight, and over these she watched most tenderly, for soon, wherever green leaves and flowers bloomed, the wall beneath grew weak and fell apart. Thus little Annie worked and hoped, till one by one the evil spirits fled away, and in their place came shining forms with gentle eyes and smiling lips who gathered round her with such loving words and brought such strength and joy to Annie's heart that nothing evil dared to enter in. While slowly sank the gloomy wall, and over wreaths of fragrant flowers, she passed out into the pleasant world again, the fairy gift no longer pale and drooping, but now shining like a star upon her. Then the low voice spoke again in Annie's sleeping ear, 
saying, the dark, unlovely passions you have looked upon are in your heart. Watch well while they are few and weak, lest they should darken your whole life and shut out love and happiness forever. Remember well the lesson of the dream, dear child, and let the shining spirits make your heart their home. And with that voice sounding in her ear, little Annie woke to find it was a dream. But like other dreams, it did not pass away, and as she sat, alone, bathed in the rosy morning light, and watched the forest waken into life. She thought of the strange forms she had seen, and looking down upon the flower, she silently resolved to strive, as she had striven in her dream, to bring back light and beauty to its faded leaves by being what the fairy hoped to render her, a patient, gentle little child. And as the thought came to her mind, the flower raised its drooping head and, looking up to the earnest little face, bent over seemed by its fragrant breath to answer Annie's silent thought and strengthen her for what might come. Meanwhile, the forest was astir. Birds sang their cheerful good morrows from tree to tree, while leaf and flower turned to greet the sun who rose up smiling on the world. And so, beneath the forest boughs and through the dewy fields, went little Annie home, better and wiser for her dream. Autumn flowers were dead and gone. Yellow leaves lay rustling on the ground. Bleak winds went whistling through the naked trees, and cold, white winter snow fell softly down. Yet now, when all without looked dark and dreary, above little Annie's heart, the fairy flower bloomed more beautifully than ever. The memory of her forest dream had never passed away, and through trial and temptation she had been true and kept her resolution still unbroken. Seldom now did the warning bells sound in her ear, and seldom did the flower's fragrance cease to float about her, or the fairy light to brighten all whereon it fell. So through the long, cold winter, little Annie dwelt like a sunbeam in her home, each day growing richer in the love of others and happier in herself. Often was she tempted, but remembering her dream. She listened only to the music of the fairy bell, and the unkind thought or feeling flared away. The smiling spirits of gentleness and love nestled in her heart, and all was bright again. So better and happier grew the child fairer and sweeter grew the flower, till spring came smiling over the earth and woke the flowers, set free the streams, and welcomed back the birds 
then daily did the happy child sit among her flowers, longing for the gentle elf to come again, that she might tell her gratitude for all the magic gift had done. At length, one day, as she sat singing in the sunny nook where all her fairest flowers bloomed, weary with gazing at the far-off sky for the little form she hoped would come, she bent to look with joyful love upon her flower, and as she looked, its folded leaves spread wide apart and rising slowly from the deep white cup appeared the smiling face of the lovely elf whose coming she had waited for so long. Dear Annie, look for me no longer. I am here with you, for you have learned to love my gift and it has done its work most faithfully and well, the fairy said as she looked into the happy child's bright face and laid her little arms most tenderly about her neck. And now I have brought another gift from fairyland as a fit reward for you, dear child, she said when Annie had told all her gratitude and love. Then, touching the child with her shining wand, the fairy bid her look and listen silently. And suddenly, the world seemed changed to Annie, for the air was filled with strange, sweet sounds, and all around her, floated lovely forms. In every flower sat little smiling elves, singing happily as they rocked amid the leaves. On every breeze, bright, airy spirits came floating by. Some fanned her cheek with their cool breath and waved her long hair to and fro, while others rang the flower bells and made a pleasant rustling among the leaves. In the fountain, where the water danced and sparkled in the sun, astride of every drop, she saw merry little spirits who splashed and floated in the clear, cool waves and sang as brightly as the flowers on whom they scattered glittering dew. The tall trees, as their branches rustled in the wind, sang a low, dreamy song, while the waving grass was filled with little voices she had never heard before. Butterflies whispered lovely tales in her ear, and birds sang cheerful songs in a sweet language she had never understood before. Earth and air seemed filled with beauty and with music she had never dreamed of until now. Oh, tell me what it means, dear fairy. Is it another and lovelier dream, or is the earth in truth so beautiful as this? She asked, looking with wondering joy upon the elf who lay upon the flower. Yes, it is true, dear child, replied the fairy and few are the mortals to whom we give this lovely gift. What to you is now so full of music and light, to others is but a pleasant summer world. They never know the language of the butterfly or bird 
or flower, and they are blind to all that I have given you the power to see. These fair things are your friends and playmates now, and they will teach you many pleasant lessons and give you many happy hours. The garden where you once sat, weeping, sad and bitter tears, is now brightened by your own happiness, filled with loving friends by your own kindly thoughts and feelings, and thus rendered a pleasant summer home for the gentle, happy child whose fairy flower will never fade. And now, dear Annie, I must go, but every springtime, with the earliest flowers, I will come again to visit you and bring some fairy gift. Guard well the magic flower that I may find all fair and bright when next I come. Then, with a kind farewell, the gentle fairy floated upward through the sunny air, smiling down upon the child until she vanished in the soft, white clouds, and little Annie stood alone in her enchanted garden where all was brightened with the radiant light and fragrant with the perfume of her fairy flower. When moonlight ceased, summer wind laid down her rose-leaf fan and, leaning back in her acorn cup, told this tale. Fable 8 Ripple the water spirit. Down in the deep blue sea lived Ripple, a happy little water spirit. All day long she danced beneath the coral arches, made garlands of bright ocean flowers, or floated on the great waves that sparkled in the sunlight. But the pastime that she loved best was lying in the many colored shells upon the shore, listening to the low, murmuring music the waves had taught them long ago. And here, for hours, the little spirit lay, watching the sea and sky while singing happily to herself. But when tempests rose, she hastened down below the stormy billows to where all was calm and still, and with her sister spirits, she waited till it should be fair again, listening sadly meanwhile to those whom the wild waves wrecked and cast into the angry sea and who soon came floating down to the spirit's pleasant home. Then they wept, pitying tears above them, and laid them in quiet places, where flowers bloomed and jewels sparkled in the sand. This was Ripple's only grief, and she often thought of those who sorrowed, for the friends they loved, who now slept far down in the dim and silent coral caves, and gladly would she have saved the lives of those who lay around her, but the great ocean was far mightier than all the tender-hearted spirits dwelling in it. Thus, she could only weep for them and lay them down to sleep where no cruel waves could harm them more. One day, when a fearful storm raged far and wide 
and the spirits saw great billows rolling like heavy clouds above their heads and heard the wild winds sounding far away. Down through the foaming waves, a little child came floating to their home. His eyes were closed as if in sleep. His long hair fell like seaweed round his face, and his little hands still clasped the shells they had been gathering on the beach when the great waves swept him into the troubled sea. With tender tears, the spirits laid the little form to rest upon its bed of flowers, and, singing mournful songs as if to make his sleep more calm and deep, watched long and lovingly above him till the storm had died away and all was still again. While Ripple sang above the little child, through the distant roar of winds and waves, she heard a wild, sorrowing voice that seemed to call for help. Long she listened, thinking it was but the echo of their own plaintive song, but high above the music sounded the sad cry. Then, stealing silently away, she glided up through the foam and spray, till, through the parting clouds, the sunlight shone upon her from the tranquil sky, and, guided by the mournful sound, she floated on, till, close before her on the beach, she saw a woman stretching forth her arms, and with a sad, imploring voice, praying the restless sea to give her back the little child it had borne away. But the waves dashed, foaming up among the bare rocks at her feet, mingling their cold spray with her tears, and gave no answer to her prayer. When Ripple saw the mother's grief, she longed to comfort her. So, bending tenderly beside her where she knelt upon the shore, the little spirit told her how her child lay softly sleeping, far down in a lovely place where sorrowing tears were shed and gentle hands laid garlands over him but all in vain she whispered kindly words. The weeping mother only cried. Dear spirit, can you use no charm or spell to make the waves bring back my child as full of life and strength as when they swept him from my side? Oh, give me back my little child, or let me lie beside him in the heart of the cruel sea. Most gladly will I help you if I can, though I have little power to use, said Ripple. Grieve no more, for I will search both earth and sea to find some friend who can bring back all you have lost. Watch daily on the shore, and if I do not come again, then you will know my search has been in vain. Farewell, poor mother. You shall see your little child again, if fairy power can win him back. And with these cheering words, Ripple sprang into the sea, while, smiling through her tears, the woman watched the gentle spirit till her bright crown vanished in the waves. When Ripple reached her home, 
she hastened to the palace of the queen and told her of the little child, the sorrowing mother, and the promise she had made. Good little ripple, said the queen when she had told her all. Your promise never can be kept. There is no power below the sea to work this charm. And you can never reach the fire spirit's home to win them a flame to warm the child into life. I pity the poor mother and would most gladly help her. But alas, I am a spirit like yourself and cannot serve you as I long to do. Oh, dear queen, if you had seen her sorrow, you too would seek to keep the promise I have made, said Ripple. I cannot let her watch for me in vain till I have done my best. Tell me where the fire spirits dwell and I will ask them of the flame that shall give life to the little child and such great happiness to the sad, lonely mother. Tell me the path and let me go. It is far, far away, high up above the sun, where no spirit ever dared to venture yet, replied the queen. I cannot show the path, for it is through the air. Dear Ripple, do not go, for you can never reach that distant place. Some harm most surely will befall. And then how shall we live without our dearest, gentlest spirit? Stay here with us in your own pleasant home and think no more of this, for I can never let you go. But Ripple would not break the promise she had made, and she besought so earnestly and with such pleading words that the queen, at last with sorrow, gave consent, and Ripple joyfully prepared to go. She, with her sister spirits, built up a bed of delicate, bright-colored shells wherein the child might lie till she should come to wake him into life, then praying them to watch most faithfully above it, she said farewell and floated bravely forth on her long, unknown journey far away.